Sunday blessings to you all. This is the Lord's Day, the day of resurrection that commences a new week and offers a new opportunity to be drawn by grace more deeply into the paschal mystery of Jesus Christ. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, may each of us graciously respond to Jesus' invitation to live more deeply his passion, death, and glorious resurrection and ascension, and be drawn into loving communion with God our Father. You are listening to Encountering Jesus with the Church Fathers, a podcast pondering patristic commentary and insight on the sacred scriptures, the sacred liturgy, and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Father Mark, and I welcome you to this podcast on the first Sunday of Lent, the holy season of purification and enlightenment that journeys with the elect in their final and intense preparation for the Easter sacraments of baptism, confirmation, and the Most Holy Eucharist. Guiding us this Sunday in opening the Word of God is a revered doctor of the Church, St. Peter Chrysologus, who died in the year 450. As Archbishop of Ravenna, he was a zealous pastor and gifted preacher who contributed significant insights to the Nicene-Constantinopolean Creed, defending the true divinity and true humanity of the divine person, Jesus. And now, from St. Peter Chrysologus, an excerpt from his Sermon 11, The Fast and Temptation of Christ. God's law has made it easy for us both to know and not to know what neither human curiosity nor the laborious study of the ancients nor worldly wisdom in its long, long seeking were able to discover. What is the origin of evil? Whence comes guilt? Whence the strength of vices, the whirling floods of crimes, the wars of bodies and the quarrels of minds, the great storm of life and the shipwreck, so cruel that it kills? Man would not know all this unless God's revelation had exposed the devil. The devil is the origin of evil, the source of wickedness, the foe of the world, and ever the hater of successful man. He sets his snares, plans falls, digs ditches, arranges wrecks, stimulates bodies, pricks souls, suggests thoughts, stirs up enmities, make virtue seem odious, and vices attractive, sows errors, 
nourishes grudges, disturbs the peace, breaks up affection, tears unity apart, has a great relish of evil and none of good, profanes the things of God and disorders those of men. Hence, as the narrative goes, the brash tempter made his way even to Christ. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones become loaves of bread. Let not those who hear these words turn against God, nor blame nature. They should not insult the Creator, nor accuse the flesh. They should not complain about their soul, nor attack the seasons, nor put the blame upon the stars. They should cease to debase the innocence of the creature. Let them perceive that evil is an accident, not something created, that God is the creator of good and the devil the contriver of evil. Thus, they should ascribe evils to the devil and good to God. They should avoid evil and do good. In this way, they will have as their helper in good deeds God, who gives the power to do what he commands and does himself what he commands. For just as the devil urges men towards evil, so God leads them towards good. Therefore, let no one acquiesce in the opinion that his vices have been co-created within himself. Let him not think that what pertains to sin should be ascribed to nature. Rather, let him take up with Christ the arms of fasting. Let him drive off the attacks of sin and raise the very camp of vices. With Christ fighting for him, let him gain a victory over the author of evil. Once the devil has been overcome, the vices will have no power. Listen to the apostles saying, Our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of wickedness on high. Then, the text reads, Jesus was led into the desert by the Spirit. He was not led by the devil, that this might be a divine course of action, not a human effort, a display of the Spirit's foreknowledge, not of human ignorance, of the power of God, not that of his enemy. The devil ever disturbs the first beginnings of good. 
He tests the rudiments of virtues. He hastens to destroy holy deeds in their first origins, well aware that he cannot overturn them once they are well founded. Not unaware of this, Christ showed some patient compliance when the devil tempted him, that his foe might be held fast in his own trap and might get caught himself by the very means by which he thought he might make a catch. Then, conquered thus by Christ, he was to yield to the Christians. After fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. You see, brethren, that our fasting in Lent is not a human invention. It arises from divine authority. It is mystic, not something arbitrarily set. It springs not from earthly usage, but the heavenly secrets. Lent, four decades, contains a squared training in faith, because perfection is always something squared. Because we have not time now to unfold what mystical meanings in heaven and on earth the number four and the number ten contain, let us explain the fast undertaken by the Lord. After fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. O man, God fasts in you. He hungers in you. More, he fasts for your benefit. He hungers for your benefit. Just as he has no need to eat for his own benefit, so neither can he hunger. Therefore, when Christ fasts because of you, he is desiring you. After fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. This is not a sign of weakness, but a mark of strength. Because when the text states, after fasting, he was hungry, it proves that Within the forty days and forty nights, he had no hunger whatsoever. To feel hunger and overcome it is a matter of human effort. To have no hunger at all is a mark of divine power. Therefore, Christ did not grow weary of his fast, nor hunger because of appetite. Rather, he experienced hunger to enable the devil to find a matter for tempting him. The devil did not dare to approach him while he was fasting, because he perceived the one thus fasting to be God, not man. Only then did he perceive him as man, then did he believe him mortal and think, he could be tempted when he, clever spy, saw him hunger. And the tempter came and said to him, He came with the 
finesse of a tempter, not with the affection of a gracious servant. He approached with greater impudence than when he withdrew. But let us hear what he offered to the hungering man. Command that these stones become loaves of bread. Why is it stones that he offers the hungry man? That is always the nature of the enemy's kindness. That is how the author of death and the hater of life offers food. Command that these stones become loaves of bread. O devil, your cleverness undoes your plans. He who can change stones into bread can also change hunger into satiety. What need of your plan has he whose power is fully sufficient for him? Command that these stones become loaves of bread. O devil, you have both exposed yourself and failed to give food to your Lord. Command that these stones become loaves of bread. You wretch! You wish to be evil, but cannot. You desire to tempt and do not know how. You should have offered soft foods, not hard ones, to a famished man. You should have coaxed his appetite gently, with attractive viands, not rough ones. You should have driven his long, long abstinence away by appetizing dishes, not disgusting ones. By these, you could ensnare not even a son of man, and much less the son of God. O tempter, know that in the presence of Christ, your wiles have been undone. Command that these stones become loaves of bread. He who changes water into wine can also change stones into bread. But miraculous signs should be given to foster faith, not wiles. They should be given to a believer, not to a tempter. And they should be worked for the salvation of the one who requests them, not for harm to him who performs them. O devil, what good are miracles for you? Nothing helps toward salvation for you. Everything remains for your punishment. Even miracles contribute to your downfall. But receive your answer that you may know yourself and be subject to your Creator. Not by bread alone does man live, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Here is your lesson. The word of the Father hungers for words of our salvation, not for bread. He acts that man may live always by the heavenly word, not always by earthly bread. Indeed, that man may live for God in such a way as not to heed the toil. For that, indeed, 
is the true life. It knows not perspiration, has no pains, and has no end. St. Peter Chrysologus, pray for us. Let us pray. Grant, Almighty God, through the yearly observances of Holy Lent, that we may grow in understanding of the riches hidden in Christ and by worthy conduct pursue their effects. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord. <laughs>